This last uh, weekend, I had the privilege of being at our sister church in Chatek, Wisconsin, a church by the name of The Refuge. Um, I have been uh, ministering over there for several years with their leadership team. Uh, Going over there, uh, Andrew, one of our elders, has uh, typically come along with me uh, in our visits over there, and God's given me the opportunity to be with them um, during a number of different uh, critical moments in their life as a congregation. And so uh, this weekend uh, was really an opportunity just to go over and uh, rejoice with all the good things that God's been doing. Uh, Nett and I had a chance to spend an evening together with their leaders and spouses, and we just had a had a great time of celebrating what God's done there over this past year, and uh, had a chance to speak there on Sunday morning to uh, just uh, encourage and put an exclamation point on what God's already been doing. So thank you for your prayers. God is going to be uh, periodically over uh, in this uh, season of, of life and ministry for me and for Bethel. Uh, periodically I'll be going out uh, to, to do that with a number of churches that I relate to and uh, your prayers are certainly a significant part uh, because it's not just me going, we're going together uh, to minister and to see all that God's doing, which is wonderful. He's doing so much good stuff everywhere. So, and thank you, Pastor Ben, for bringing the word last week. I kept hearing the word I kept hearing over and over again from everybody I heard testimony was, it was awesome. And it was just awesome. So, praise God. Um, I, just, uh, I just rejoice in the word of the Lord going forth through whomever. Uh, and into our hearts and into our lives. Well, I have been just eagerly awaiting uh, the opportunity to begin to share this particular series of messages. Uh, This morning we're beginning a four-part series entitled, A Life of Blessing. A Life of Blessing. And uh, I believe that this series of messages is directly related with our year, which is a year of return. And... uh, Uh, We have another banner out in the lobby. We've got the banner up here. You've got your bulletin cover. uh, All of those things reminding you. So every week when you come in, you can remember what this year is about. Uh, This is 2011, a year of return. And those of you that were here a couple of weeks ago when I shared the theme message for the year will perhaps remember that there are really three components connected into this year. First is repentance, a returning to God. Then there is a release, which is the returning or coming back to freedom. And then reclaiming, receiving back the inheritance of the Lord. And um, this whole concept of blessing is connected into all three of those. And over these next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this in depth. Because I believe that one of the things that God is calling us as a house, we are called to what? Radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. That's the calling here. So why don't you say that with me so you can get it. Sometimes when you hear it and hear it from your own mouth, it'll sink in. Okay, we are called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. All right, let's say it again. We are called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. Well, one of the things that I believe that is connected into that is this whole concept of a life of blessing and being a blessing house. All right? So we're going to be exploring this over the next several weeks. This morning, we're going to be looking at receiving the blessing. Next week... We're going to be looking at returning the blessing. Then, the following week, we're going to be looking at reclaiming the blessing. And finally, in week four, we're going to talk about releasing the blessing. So, we're going to be receiving, returning, claiming, and releasing the blessing. So, it begins this morning with this concept of receiving the blessing. Because it would be really difficult to return a blessing, or to reclaim a blessing, or to release a blessing, if you didn't know what it was that you had received. So first of all, we need to understand more in depth this concept 
of blessing. And so that's what we're going to spend uh, our time this morning unpacking together. And then at the end of the message here this morning, um, we'll see what God has here, but I think he may want to, to uh, help us receive a blessing. All right, good. Numbers chapter 6, 22 to 27. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, you could take a look here just to help keep you reminded. Look in the Bible that's located right in front of you at page 99. Page 99. The book of Numbers. Right in the midst of a whole lot of different information in the book of Numbers, as it's laying out all of these different um, uh, regulations for the people of Israel, inserted in the middle of that comes this very famous scripture, which, um, as far as I know, I've never preached on here in 21 years at Bethel. All right, But we're going to look at it in depth this morning. The Lord said to Moses... Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will Bless them. Let me tell you what I think the Lord wants to do in your heart this morning. Because I think He wants to do it in my heart. And as I pray about this, I just sense that the Lord wants to do this. And this has been something that I was trying to pray about it this morning in pre-service prayer. And I don't know that I'll be any more articulate now than I was when I was trying to pray this out. But it's connected to what Pastor Ben was sharing on last week and... and, um, the Thursday before he preached last Sunday, we were praying together um, in, in, in the 7 o'clock prayer time with some others who were, who were there praying. And, and the Lord just gave me this picture because it was connected to um, the word that Pastor Ben was bringing about expectation. And the Lord wanted to reframe. Now this over here is a, is a door frame over this door. And because of the way that this door frame is framed, where it is framed, how it is framed, and the doors that are here, where that door, because this door is framed this way, it opens to here, all right? Back into the education wing, but because that's where the door, somebody took the time, architect, and framed in this doorway to go through here. Now, Let me just play this out for a moment. Some of you who've been around here a while, you you know that this was a Jewish synagogue before the church purchased this building back uh, basically 30 years ago this year. The church purchased the Sons of Jacob synagogue. Well, one of the things that the synagogue had done, what, what they were intending to do, if you go back into that end of the building you will find some stairways that go to nowhere. Now, the stairways that go to nowhere are there because their intention was to build up, because many synagogues are built on more than one level with the worship space up above. So they were going to build up, but then they found that the footings hadn't gone deep enough. So instead of building up, they built this way. Now, if you've been a part of the congregation a while, you've probably figured out that there's one thing that was neglected in sort of the planning, at least from my perspective here, looking at it 30, 40, 50 years later, and that is that when they built this way, and they have all the education wing up here and the fellowship, you know, everything spread out, which is lovely, the only difficulty is, is that there's no way to get from that end of the building to this end of the building, except right through here. So not only is this a sanctuary, it's a hallway. All right? And you all know that because 
every once in a while you see people going, <laughs> all right, back and forth. Well, we would love to put on, by the way, just anybody have a few hundred thousand dollars laying around that you'd like to give us? We would like to build another, we'd like to actually build a walkway here and additional classroom space. We really need that over here. We just can't do it right now. But what we did do is, another thing was, you couldn't get into the building except from here or here, and then you everybody was always back and forth. So a few years ago, as a temporary measure at least, what we decided to do was we decided to put in that doorway over here that goes to the back parking, that entrance, okay? So some of you came in that entrance from the parking lot, right? Okay, a few did that. All right, well, in order to do that, I mean, that just, that was somebody looking, seeing what needed to happen, and at some point, and I think it was probably Bruce Beyer or whoever it was, I mean, Carrie, Carrie probably drew up the plans, and then Bruce, Bruce framed a door back there and opened up a doorway, and suddenly a whole new vista opened up. I can get into the lobby without having to walk through the sanctuary or walk entirely around the building. It was an incredible thing. It was amazing. (coughs) All because somebody reframed, they framed something new, which created a doorway in and a whole new, something new was opened up. I think that's what God's doing right now. I think what he wants to do is build a new doorway in your soul. He wants to reframe something. How you even view God. He wants to reframe that in you. So that a doorway more deeply into the fullness of His purposes for your life, your destiny, your call, will be opened up. And then the other word I keep getting is thresholds because with every doorway there's some sort of a threshold either implicit or explicit. And thresholds are opportunity and vulnerability all connected together. But I think God wants you to walk in, in this year of return, I think He wants us to walk in to some new places as He reframes some expectations even in our lives. Okay? Are you you all with me so far? Have I? Okay. You know the saying, if there's mist in the pulpit, there's fog in the pew. So I... Hoping that there's not too much mist up here. So because I don't want to have a lot of fog out here. All right. So we're talking about reframing. God wants to reframe something in your spirit, in your soul, in your mindset, even today. All right. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they put my name on the Israelites. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Okay, one of the first things I want to reframe in your mind is this whole concept of blessing because we, frankly, have a very weak understanding of what blessing is. We're thinking, when we think blessing, and, you know, somebody sneezes, we say, God bless you, or, you know, the nice Christian thing to say is, as you go, well, God bless you, you know. We're we're thinking sort of nice, wishful thoughts. Maybe, if we're spiritual, somehow attached to some sort of a prayer. But scripturally, blessing is far more than wishful thoughts or some kind of platitudinous prayer. Write that one in your notes. Platitudinous, all right? Blessing is something much more vigorous and vital than that. Because when the Lord said to Moses, He is saying something that He wants pronounced and declared over His people. And so when we give a blessing, we are actually making a declaration. And that's why this becomes 
exceedingly important. So, let's do a definition. To bless, in the Hebrew word, is barach. To bless is the act of imparting the blessing, the baracha. The force from which the fullness of life springs and which enables one to fulfill one's assignment and calling. So understand this. It is an impartation of blessing. When we bless someone, we're imparting blessing. And blessing is actually a life-giving force from which the fullness of life springs, which enables someone to fulfill their assignment and calling. All right? Everybody got that? It'll be up there for just a moment longer. Here's the foundation. The foundation of blessing, the source of it, is the Lord who is the creator and sustainer of all life. It flows out of His kindness and faithfulness, which is expressed through His mercy. So again, the source of this is not your own good thoughts about somebody. Just because you feel good about them and you just want to say, oh, Bless you, Kathy. Because you feel sort of warm and, 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 you know, towards them. That's not what blessing's about. The source of blessing is in the Lord, who is the creator and the sustainer of life. And this blessing flows from His kindness and faithfulness, which has been expressed to us through His mercy. John 1.16 puts it beautifully, from the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Every good gift comes from above. Every good gift comes from above. Now, the framework of this is that the priestly blessing was given in response to the atonement and consisted of three parts. An ever-increasing flow of blessing poured out over the people of God. If we were to go back which I'll try to do real quick here. All right? I want you to notice something about this. It starts with, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Now, we can't quite capture this fully in our English translations, but in the Hebrew, how many of you have ever written or been around or studied poetry? Anybody ever studied poetry a little bit? Okay. Well, this is poetic form, but it's a very precise sort of poetry that is given here. In fact, in the Hebrew, that first thing, the Lord bless you and keep you, is only three words long. The second, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, is five words. The third, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, is seven words. So it goes from three to five, to seven. And there's this progression. And three, five, and seven add up to 15, for those of you doing the quick math. But when you take Yahweh's name out of there, you end up with 12 words. How many tribes in the tribes in Israel? 12. This was very precise. There was purpose even in the wording that was given. In fact, not only are the letters, not only do the words line up that way, but so do the letters. It builds from 15 letters to 20 letters to 25 letters. There's an ongoing progression and an intensifying and a development of the pouring out of this blessing. So I just wanted you to catch that, that this is done very deliberately, very precisely, um, with, with uh, much thought given to this blessing. The increasing flow given in response to the atonement. 
Here's the instruction back in Leviticus chapter 9. Here's the backdrop to the blessing. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. Why do I have you extend your hand? Not because I want everybody to know whether you use deodorant or not this morning, okay? And not just simply so you can kind of wave your hand in sort of a nice way at whoever. There is actually in the lifting of the hand and the extending of your hand, you are actually then um, joining, adding your blessing, adding your participation, you're coming in agreement with the lifting of hand and the blessing that's happening. At the end of the service this morning, as I close each and every service, I'll invite you to open your hands and I will extend my hands in blessing. Because I'm going to stand, I stand here as your pastor in the position the Lord has given me my calling as a, as, as, as a priest of the Lord, which, by the way, we'll get to this another week. We are all called as priests of the Lord. But I'm standing here in my office as pastor and extending not just wishful thoughts towards you. I'm asking the Lord to impart something into your life. that has substance, that flows out of His goodness and His kindness and His love, His mercy and His faithfulness. I'm asking Him to give you that which you will need for the assignment that you have for the week to come. Whatever that is. Okay? So I do this very deliberately. This is not just a nice way to end the service. When we pray for kids, when we prayed for Cora this morning, I'm telling you, as I'm praying for her, there's something leaping in my heart when I have the privilege of of placing my hands on these beautiful, precious children and asking the Lord, I take that very seriously. Because I'm asking the Lord to impart something into their lives. This isn't just a religious ceremony. We're not just gathered here this morning to punch the clock and get our, you know... Our, our, our religious points checked off. We're here because we have something to impart and something to receive. The impartation of the Lord into our lives. Alright? You with me? Okay. Alright. So Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. Having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering... And the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Now, I'm not going to take time to unpack all of those, but all of those are connected in and wrapped into the atonement, God making things right between us and him and us and one another. These offerings, the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, have to do with making sure that things are right between us and God and us and one another. That there's... A clear place. That's the atonement. The covering over. The covering over of our sins by His grace and mercy and the covering over of His love in our relationships with others around us. And that is then the context He stepped down. Moses and Aaron went then into the tent of meeting and when they came out, They blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Maybe one of these days that will happen. When I'm praying that blessing. (laughs) Be some shouts of joy and we'll all fall down. At least in our hearts, there should be a leaping. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right? Okay, so let's take a look at this. Part one. The Lord 
bless you and keep you. Three words in this particular line. The Lord bless you, keep you. Provision and protection. This is what the Lord spoke to them in Deuteronomy chapter 28. He said, all of these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and when you go out. And what is it to be obedient to the Lord? Well, this is, that's a whole other message. But the Bible says the work of the Lord is this, to believe on the one whom he has sent. So it begins, or, and, I, and I think it ends, and I think everything in between as it relates to obedience. Obedience literally means to listen and do. It has to do with living in vital relationship with God. Too easily, I think, we slip over into mechanical thinking. If I do this, then. If I have really good devotions today, then God's going to love me and actually give me a parking spot right near where I want to park, you know? We get very easily into if-then thinking. And it becomes sort of vending machine. And, 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 and provision becomes something that's sort of mechanical. I don't think that's what it means. I don't think that's what God's talking about. I think he's talking about a vital, intimate relationship with him. And that flowing out of that vital relationship with him, there comes a provision into our lives, a provision into our soul, a provision into our being, a prospering, as the word says, of our soul. doesn't have to do with a Cadillac and every Mercedes and every whatever. If you got one, God bless you. That's not the issue. But that's not what we're talking about here when we're talking about the provision of the Lord. Love this scripture, 2 Peter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need. Can you say with me everything? Everything. Say it again. Everything, say it one more time, everything that we need for life and godliness. Huh. Really? Yes, really. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. Again, it has to do with knowledge is much more than just head knowledge. It's that out of our intimate relationship with Him who's called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises, though, that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is why we're reading this book right now. This is why we're doing Saturate. So that through our knowledge of Him, we're getting to know Him better. We're getting to know Him deeper. We're beginning to understand His promises. We're beginning to have our lives washed in the reality of His Word. It's wonderful. Yesterday morning, I just, when Annette and I got up, we just, I just started reading. We read the last three chapters of Luke. I just read them out loud. It was wonderful. Just hearing the Word of the Lord just washing us morning. It was powerful. Of course, it was the crucifixion and the resurrection and the the sending. It was like, oh man. I get to know him. I get to know his heart. I get to know his promises. Do you see why this is so vital and important? Tonight we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke. Come and join us. Even if you haven't read it all, just come anyway. And start reading the Gospel of John. I would challenge you, if, you've not, if you don't do anything else with Saturate, could I challenge you with this one thing? Would you please hear an invitation from the Lord to read the Gospel of John? Just read the Gospel of John. If you don't read anything else, 
Please read that. You got two weeks to do it. You got longer than that if you want. But we won't be talking about it till two weeks from Sunday. Because next week we're all celebrating the high holy day of the Super Bowl. So, all right. I've surrendered all. I've surrendered all. Okay. So, but we're going to look at the Gospel of John, and it's 21 chapters. So, you got 14 days. That's just a little over a chapter a day, a little chapter and a half. I'd, I'd encourage you. You're going to find so much there that you won't even, you'll be stunned. I'm stunned every time I read it. Okay? And start, let me give you one, one little one more thing, one more little hook here. Start seeing how many times blessing shows up. How many times Jesus blessed folks and how much blessings go on. Just start listening to that as you're reading the Gospels. Of course, because I've been studying this, I've been seeing it everywhere, you know. It's like you buy a car and everybody's driving the same one, you know. So, you see what you're looking for. <laughs> All right. Boy, I feel like preaching today. Sorry. All right, Protection. Protection. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? I have been, I have been immersed in this particular scripture for about two months, unable to get away from it. Unable to get away from it. I shared it. I I, I called Ermelia when Lidovic was stuck in Haiti, and I prayed with her about this scripture. I prayed this scripture with her. Well, they'd just been reading it, and, and Lidovic, in his, back in Haiti, they had just been looking at the same scripture. They've got uh, Junie Varghese with her dad's thing. I emailed Junie, said, we're praying for you, I'm praying this. She said, we just looked at that in our devotions last night. Everywhere. It was just like, okay, God, I hear you. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. This is where we get that old word. I remember old saints praying this, and I never really knew what they meant, but it sounded really good. They prayed for the watch care of the Lord. That's what this is. He watches and he cares. Sometimes hard things do happen. Sometimes pain comes into our life. Where is God when it hurts? He is right with the one who is hurting. That's where he is. He's right with the one who's hurting. He's not distant. He's not detached. He's engaged with you in your life. Favor and grace. Let's go on. Line two. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Now that's an idiom, which means it's a picture that means something more than just what the words say. The shining face of the Lord speaks of his favor towards his people. Let me ask you a question right now that is very, very significant. And I am asking it of myself this morning as well. And the question is this. When you look at the face of God, what, I mean, however that looks for you, but when you think about God looking at you, what's his face look like towards you? What's his face look like towards you? Is is he just a little bit ticked off? Does he look, just a little bit stern. Maybe a little angry. You think he's mad at you? 
Maybe there's a look of disappointment. Oh, man. What's his face look like? Here's a reframing. The Lord looks at his people with a shining face. He looks upon us with favor. That doesn't mean that he just looks at favor with anything and any, everything that we do. But towards us, who we are. Even when the rich young ruler walked away and didn't, it says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. The favor of the Lord. This is so significant, people. This is part of that reframing that the Lord wants to do in your life. Remember this scripture, Luke 4. We just read it this week, if you've been reading along with us and saturate. And every time I read it, it captures me afresh. The scroll of the prophet was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to what? Proclaim the years of... Year of the Lord's what? Proclaim the year of the Lord's what? His what? His favor. Now Isaiah doesn't stop there. Isaiah goes on and talks about the wrath of God and talks about some other things. But Jesus stopped reading there. That's significant. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. From right now, he's saying, I am a living testimony to you of the favor of God being extended towards you. I am jubilee. I am freedom, Jesus is saying. I am deliverance. I am salvation. I am all of those things that you are desperately needing. And I'm looking towards you. Now, he got mad. You know, there were times where Jesus is, you know, he was not happy. But he was not happy with those who deliberately turned away from him. Or, well, even those like the rich young ruler, he still looked with favor. But those that, that hardened their heart towards him, those that tried to harden other people's hearts towards him, that's the ones that he was unhappy with. But to all those who would simply look towards Him when they looked, when we look to Him, when we look to Him, when we look to Him, His eyes look back at us. His face is shining and His eyes are full of His favor towards us. This is hugely significant. I don't know even how, I don't have words to get at the depth of this. I spent years serving Pharaoh God, who said, make bricks, make bricks out of straw, make more bricks out of straw. So many of us serve a Pharaoh God, who says, well, that was good, but it wasn't quite good enough. Yeah? I saw that B+. Maybe you could bring that up. Now maybe we need to bring up our B+. And God wants to work in our hearts and in our lives. Again, don't... But, but His disposition towards us. And his invi- He's constantly inviting us. We're always feeling obligation and oughts and shoulds. And God's saying, come to me. Follow me. Come after me. You're welcome. Please come with me. But it's always this. The Spirit leads, the enemy drives. All right. Really, I'm feeling like preaching. Sorry. All right. I'm not going to apologize. All right. And grace, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Say every. Say every. Say every. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's understanding, of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Here's what I want you to hear this morning is this. He has grace for you. He has predestined you. In other words, and I don't, you know, we can get into all kinds of theological stuff about predestination. I'm just going to tell you this. It's God's heart and desire that every one of his children come to him and be his child. To be adopted. That's his desire. That's his heart towards you. You can resist. You can say, nah, I'm not interested. He'll still love you. He's going to still keep wooing you and calling you and inviting you. But the problem is not on his end. It's on ours in terms of our receiving. This is why it's called receiving the blessing this morning. Would you receive his favor? Would you receive his grace today? Would you receive his adoption? Be his child. He longs for you to be his child. He loves you. That's where we get to part three. His love and peace. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God is not turning his face away from you. He's turning his face towards you. He's turning his face towards you because he loves you. Because his desire is to be in relationship with you. He's not turning away, saying, I'm not interested. No, he's turning his face towards you, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. One of the first scriptures that most of us ever ever learned. Well, not that one. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, and on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. But this one you've heard of. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. He didn't send His Son into the world because He was so ticked off at the world that He was ready to condemn the world. He sent His Son into the world because He loved the world so much that He wanted to convict them of their need of Him and return their hearts to Him. you see this? Is there a reframing going on in your spirit this morning? I pray that there is. Because he's looking at you and his face is towards you. He's not away from you. He's not over here going, I don't see anything of what's going on with their life. No, he's looking towards you with his love. Even when you've made a mess of it all. He's still looking towards you with love. Even when the rich young ruler was walking away, he looked at him with love. Even after Peter had denied him three times, and you're going to get to this in John. I love John 21. Read to the end. Jesus is on the beach, and he builds a fire, and he brings them, and Peter's like, I can't even look at you. Jesus says, Here, do you love me? Come on, I'm with you, I'm here. My face is towards you. I love you. Peace. How many of us know that we need peace? Peace with God. Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I know it's a bumper sticker slogan, but it works. No Jesus, no peace. N-O, no Jesus, N-O, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. K-N-O-W, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. 
peace with others. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body we were called to peace. And be thankful. This peace that He's wanting to give, it's peace with Him, it's peace with one another. Peace with ourselves. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in You. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord Himself is the rock eternal. Trust in Him. God's been working this surrender and trust in my heart for years and years and years. I'm still not there. In fact, I was praying about it this morning. God! Take away anxiousness and place your peace. Trust, surrender in You. Lord, with circumstances, peace I leave with You, Jesus said. My peace I give You. You're going to read this this week. John 14. Yes, Pastor, we're going to read this this week as we're reading John. My peace I give You. I do not give to You as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. My peace I leave with You and I give You. I don't give as the world gives. The world can't give you peace. If it does, it's just going to take it away. You're not going to find peace by just getting your circumstances just right, by getting all these things. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're going to chase it everywhere. I'm telling you, you're not going to find it. The only place you're going to find it is in Him. It's true. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Augustine Augustine said that centuries ago. All right. We're just about there, people. Last thing. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. This is what's so cool. These blessings, these things that he's doing, the provision, the protection, the... um, What's the next one? You wrote it down. Favor and grace, love, peace. All of these culminate in him putting his name on the Israelites, so they will put my name. This is the important... Here's, here's where it kind of gets put together. They put the name on them and bless them. Here's the final promise. The name of the Lord will be placed upon His people and His blessing will, in fact, come upon them and accomplish what He intends. That's the promise of His name coming down upon His people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. The scripture says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. When we understand the goodness and favor and love of God in our lives, We can respond in no other way but just incredible broken thanksgiving and surrender to Him. Yes, we've all sinned. It's true. We are all at enmity with God because of that sin. That sin has created a gulf between us and Him. Jesus has built a bridge with His atonement, with His blood shed upon the cross for you and I. He has made a way for you and I to come back to Him. This is a year of return. It's a year for you to return to God. It's a year for you to come out of your captivity and return to freedom. It's a year for you to return to your inheritance as His child to receive the fullness of all His blessing in your life. It's this. It's time. If not now, when? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to come and receive and to return and receive His blessing given to us. He wants to reframe something in your heart today. Worship team, come on up, please. He wants to reframe an expectation that you have about the way God looks at you. Because a lot of you think that God 
is ticked off at you. And that's what keeps you away. And I'm here to tell you, his face is towards you and it's shining with his love. Just like with my own kids, which I don't even have a clue, God's love for us is so much greater, you know, and I blow it all the time. Sometimes I'm disappointed with the things that they do, but I love them. Sometimes God, you know, is like scratching his head saying, man, why are they doing that? They're hurting themselves. They're missing out on so much more. God wants to bring that more this morning into your life. Can we stand to our feet, please? I hope somewhere in here you've you've begun to hear the heart of God for you today. He wants you to be His people. He wants us corporately to be His people. He wants you to be His daughter, for you to be His son. It's going to change your name. You're no longer going to be called wounded, outcast, lonely, or afraid. Your new name is going to be confidence, joyfulness, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God. This is his heart. This is his heart. I'm going to pray it. We're going to sing this, and then I am going to pray a prayer of benediction and blessing to you all. But if this morning something has intersected with where you're living right now, and you just need a fresh impartation of the blessing for the assignment that He's given you to do, for the calling and destiny of your life, if you just, if maybe you've never really felt or known the love of God towards you or the favor or grace of God, today, today, He wants to pour that out upon you.